probably the best example I described for the team tonight was in McDonald's. Um, the way they make food is actually designed not after another restaurant, but after how Michael Dell did Dell.com in a just-in-time mass assembly model. You are now connected with Enclave for Entrepreneurs at O'Hare International Airport in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Enclave O'Hare, the local to global learning and earning center for entrepreneurs and their influencers. On Wednesday, the 19th of June, 2019, we asked the question begged to be asked, what makes disruptive innovators different? We hear from Wayne Montague as he helps us explore how disruptive innovators skillfully respond to ceaseless change by associating, questioning, observing, experimenting, and networking. Let's dive in. Uh, Wayne Montague, um, I'm a consultant dealing with business model innovation. And I uh, spend a lot of my time with clients uh, understanding you know, how they deliver value to their customers mm -hmm. and then options for pivoting to something new and different. Mm -hmm. um, I have a background in technology, accounting, and finance, mm -hmm. um, and operations research. Yeah. And uh, work for been, some pretty well known firms. Uh, some big ones, yeah. <laughs> and uh, help them pivot over time. Yeah. Um, I've learned the, you know, the craft of innovation slowly, but um, that's actually what I. Um, love to do. Yeah. Um, I, I really, really, really love working with uh, organizations, usually mid-sized ones now, um, and help them actually grow and pivot into new marketplaces or, or do things better than they were ever do before. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing. So tonight um, we talked about what makes disruptive innovators different. Um, and of course, uh, here at Enclaves, we're all about the individual and you, you dove into a lot about um, thinking and you talked about discovery versus delivery. Right. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, think of your left brain and right brain as two hemispheres. One's good at one thing, yeah. analytics and detail and data. And one's good at creativity and association and pattern recognition. And so all discovery and delivery thinking really represents is leveraging the skills of both sides of the brain equally. Mm -hmm. what, what has been found is that most folks, particularly folks who work in large organizations for a long time, they live in a delivery-oriented environment. It's get this done on this date for this budget. So it's really, really, really rewards people who have good planning skills, who have good uh, facilitation skills to get things done on time. Uh, but if you're trying to innovate and you're trying to grow your business in a different way, those skills aren't enough. Yeah. The kind of skills that really are warranted are discovery skills. And those are um, questioning, um, networking in a different way than you know, traditional business networking, uh, it's associating things and looking at patterns, uh, and it's really trying to put it all together and experiment and to actually try new things in a different way. Yeah. And the most successful innovative entrepreneurs, which are, you know, the top tier ones, the Jeff Bezos, the folks who really transformed their industry, have been really skilled at both sides of the thinking. Mm -hmm. And so part of my mission in my talk tonight was to explain some tips and tools that the folks in the audience could use to, uh, first of all, score themselves against the scale of how you are as a baseline, mm -hmm. score the organization you work for or serve, 
and then understand some tools to sort of raise the score on either side. So if you're if you're really uh, strong at delivery, here's some skills on how to uh, raise your discovery skills and vice versa. Yeah. Where do you score, by the way? Very heavy on discovery. Yeah. Um, low to midland on delivery. Yeah. Probably really low if you ask my wife because <laughs> it's, you know, I don't get things done as I should. Yeah. Um, but you have to do both. Um, that's actually one of the one of the crazy things that people think is I'm, I'm a discovery-driven thinker, therefore I don't have to get stuff done. Yeah. No, you get fired if you don't get stuff done. <laughs> yeah. Um, and things don't get done if you don't get stuff done. So you actually have to do both. Mm-hmm. And the most successful people have strength in both areas. And they can actually flip back and forth between the situation needs more delivery-oriented thinking. Oops, the situation needs more discovery-oriented thinking. And they can go back and forth fairly easily. How do they, you know, if so there, I, I do agree that there's probably a lot of folks out there that really feel like, oh, I'm more innovative and I really want to just get into this creative area. How do you, you know, or, or vice versa, I'm more delivery-oriented. How do you, like, self-identify and find that other side in you? Um, it ain't easy. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you, you go to work every day and you're in an environment that, for, for the most part, is a delivery-oriented environment. Right. It's really hard to start doing these behaviors and not have people look at you like, what's going on with you? Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, you can actually do it by um, either finding a network of peers, finding people that are sort of outside of your comfort zone, start talking to them about some of the business problems that you're trying to solve. Um, actually reaching out to different industries and trying to understand how they solve similar problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll actually discover that most of the problems that you're trying to solve in your business have already been solved somewhere else. There's very little things that you have to solve for the very first time on the planet Earth that hasn't already been solved. <laughs> is there anything left to truly innovate, like for the very, very first time? Or is it just a, uh iteration of something that's already happened and we're just changing it? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. Um, my 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 philosophy is that innovators are really good borrowers of somebody else's library books. I like that. Versus an inventor that wrote the library book and put it on the shelf <laughs> yeah. and walked away. Yeah. And so most innovations are borrowing something that works in another space and applying it in a new way. Mm-hmm. Good example, probably the best example I described for the team tonight was in McDonald's. Um, the way they make food is actually designed not after another restaurant, but after how Michael Dell did Dell.com in a just-in-time mass assembly model. Really? That's literally how they make hamburgers today was started with how he made computers. Wow. That is definitely not something that I was aware of. Um, a, a big thing that stuck out to me tonight is somebody who's – my whole entire career has been in sales. Um, and questioning is key in so many different areas in, of the world and, in, in the, excuse me, the business world. Can you talk about the questioning for discovery thinking skills? Well, there's a number of techniques you can use for questioning. Um, probably the most, one of the best ones is called the five why technique. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically asking the same why question five times or more, if you can get away with it, mm-hmm. to sort of reveal the root cause of what happened. Mm-hmm. Probably the uh, simple example that I described to the audience is the uh, a Jeff Bezos visit to a distribution center. Uh, one of the folks on the on the line had hurt their thumb or their finger, and he went through a series of five why questions to reveal in the end that the root cause as to why that person got injured had nothing to do with the technology, had nothing to do with the person's training, it had everything to do with the fact that they didn't design their workstation with a place to put their lunch bag. Right. Because the lunch bag was sitting on the conveyor belt and it started up, they tried to grab it and they cut their finger. Such a basic... Such a basic thing. Yeah. They didn't think about it. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and, and tied to that, and 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 part of that innovative thinking is the observing part. Yep. Uh, you know, innovators are intense observers. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, can be a little creepy if you're doing it and somebody <laughs> notices you. Um, yeah, much like an anthropologist is watching, you know, animals behaving in the wild. Um, good good observation skills are critical. And I can't emphasize enough to get out of the office and watch a real customer using your real product or service in the real environment, preferably their own environment. Mm -hmm. So, for example, at McDonald's, we used to uh, ride around with moms and kids in a minivan to drive through and fast food experiences to just watch what the experience is like. Mm -hmm. So everything from the kids don't know what they want when they pull up the speaker post to uh, they change their mind after they place the order. And then you're actually watching what's going on in the minivan as all this debate starts to occur. Mm -hmm. And now you realize why that transaction, that guest in that minivan with those three kids takes 10 times longer than everybody else. Right. When you're designing a drive through that runs a big part of your business like McDonald's, you really want to understand the causes of that mm -hmm. by observing those customers so you can design a system that accommodates their needs mm -hmm. separate from the people behind them that are just out for coffee and a hamburger and also moves in a very efficient manner because that's the whole goal of everything yeah yeah, yeah. um it, it you also talked about networking and i think you know obviously you talked about it in a different light than going to a social gathering with oh, yeah. a bunch of other folks this that is are a in your industry. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can you dive into that a little bit for us? Uh, it's really networking for learning points versus um, for access to resources, either new jobs or money for a budget or something like that. And so somebody in a discovery-driven networking model is really trying to reach out beyond their comfort zone, beyond their normal network of friends and coworkers to gain insights on some of the issues they're trying to solve from somebody else outside of their own space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you gave a couple examples tonight of, of these are the folks, you created a spreadsheet, like these yeah. are the folks, yeah. the people profiles basically that I would like to interact with at some point. Yep, and I did. Yeah. That was literally my sheet. <laughs> and did, um, that, did it end up working pretty well for you? It did. You know, everybody from you know a software engineer half my age yeah. to a guy selling streetwise. Right. Um, all solving similar problems to how they make decisions and how they how they come to conclusions in their world. Yeah. And what you do is you you, you learn, hmm, these people have a whole different way of approaching problems than right. I'm used to in my little cocoon of my my space. Right. And especially if, as you're trying to be very innovative and thinking about something, you know, finding other folks to bring that to be a practical idea. Yeah. Like finding the practicality of that whole situation. Yep. 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 Exactly right. Very cool. But one of the things we talked about tonight was, you know, maybe a, a longstanding organization that's been around for a while. Um, maybe things are a little stagnant and it's, it's definitely time to innovate or, you know, potentially um, you know, move on. So wh what do you recommend to get innovation going in those types of organizations? Well, first of all, most organizations over time will run into a stall point mm -hmm. and they will you know, either fail to grow at the right level or fail to meet the customer needs. So they always have to be looking at what's next. Mm -hmm. And probably one of the easier examples I can share with you, again, as a McDonald's example, um, and that is uh, Redbox. Yeah. Um, Redbox is a video rental distribution box that's 15,000 of them around the U.S. Right. That started life as an innovation project for McDonald's. The intent of that was to build restaurant traffic after 6 o'clock at night in restaurants in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's how a fast food chain can actually get into the technology business. Eventually it disrupted um, uh, Blockbuster yeah. and Hollywood Video right. because of their pricing model and the method for delivering the, the uh, DVDs. 
but it's an organization like McDonald's that that was able to do something like that. And, yeah. and I look at that and say, if you can innovate and you're a legacy Fortune 500 company in the fast food business, anybody can do this. Right. Now, what did it take to do that? Well, yeah. it took leadership. It took somebody named Mats Lederhausen, who was the senior vice president of corporate strategy, who had the credentials within the organization to actually run innovation projects that were targeted at helping the brand, but still given the freedom to actually try and experiment and fail a lot of times. Mm -hmm. That's actually what most organizations don't have, is that type of leadership that recognizes that in order to succeed, you have to try a lot of things and fail a lot. Not spending a lot of money, but failing a lot. And failure is actually a good thing, not yeah. a bad thing. Yeah. Most organizations, failure is not an option, right? Yeah. Uh, and so. And have those leaders not just be, hey, let's just, you know, hey, this works, so let's not stray away from it. But, right. hey, why is this working? Why isn't this working? And, and not being afraid to question at the highest level because that, yep. I would imagine, will go all the way down the chain. It does. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I see in organization after organization. I call that business model orthodoxy. It's just because that's the way we've always done it. That must be right. And all our job is is to make it faster, better, cheaper next year than this year. Yeah. And that business model orthodoxy keeps companies from seeing a disruptor coming in and taking them out. Very cool. Any any last words that you would share for, for the entrepreneurs out there that are trying to get their, their business off the ground? Um, start at the business model level. Start yep. at your customer pains and needs and their jobs to be done with even before you think about your product or your service. Mm-hmm. Part of what I see happening, at least with my students at Northwestern, is they jump right to a solution, and then they go in search of a market to solve that, that problem. Yeah. And the, the best way is to go just the opposite. Start with customer pools or find what their problems are and understand them really well, and then you develop the value propositions and the products and solutions that you think will fit really well. Yeah. At that point, you're rooted in a really strong understanding of what's in it for the customer and what do they perceive as the value proposition versus what you perceive as the value proposition. Right. Because no business model will ever survive the first encounter with a real customer. Right. They will always change it. Yeah. 100% of the time. Wow. Very cool. Yep. Any, any other closing comments? Sure. Well, I think Enclave is a wonderful, wonderful facility. I think it's focused in an area that is a diamond in the rough. If we don't get the relationships right between the entrepreneur and their support organization, be mm-hmm. it a venture capital group, private equity group, or even you know accountants and finance or IT folks, mm-hmm. uh, then their relationships and therefore their judgment of, of what good decisions to make gets jeopardized. Mm-hmm. And I think that actually has a material effect in limiting the growth going forward. Cool. I think this is a really wonderful place. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time. Sure thing. As we just heard, Wayne thinks about his thinking, especially while he's working with clients to innovate for technology-enabled products and processes and for the tools to quickly deploy them. For you, we encourage you to think, design, build, test, sell. Never stop thinking, designing, testing, building, selling, or innovating. To launch, survive, and thrive, entrepreneurs must practice, practice, practice. Applied metacognition enriches your thinking process. For more information on our third Wednesday of every month masterclass in applied metacognition, please visit enclaveforentrepreneurs.com.